everybody. Welcome back to Confidently Clueless. I hope everybody's having a lovely day. I just wanted to give everybody a little reminder to myself and to all of you who are listening that it is okay to want or celebrate the small, average, little things in life. Like, it's okay to just celebrate the fact that you got a new bottle of water and it looks amazing and it's beautiful. And it is okay to not want a promotion and accept the position that you have and not want more and be happy with that. It is okay to be happy with making a small amount of money but having time to be with your family. It's okay to not want to start a business or write a book or change the world. I don't know. It's it's fine. You know, it's okay to not work towards those things. And if you do want those things, that's okay too, obviously. But make sure that you are celebrating those little things and that you know it's going to take time and to be okay with, again, those mundane everyday things that it's what makes life more bearable and it's the majority of your time (laughs) anyway these are just some of my monday thoughts which is when i am recording this little intro but today's episode is really beautiful my face the entire time that this guest was talking i was just like yes i think i might actually make a clip and show you on the instagram which you should follow if you haven't already it's at confidently clueless podcast because it it was just such a beautiful conversation i sat down with my friend christina greco who we went to middle school and high school together and it had been a while since we talked and saw each other. So it was really nice to to catch up and she, her insight was wonderful. We do talk about her experience with an eating disorder and her mental health journey. So please do be aware of that if you are listening to the episode, but I really hope that you enjoy it as much as I do. And here's the episode. Hi, how's everybody doing? (laughs) How are you doing? I'm good. I'm a little sick. So I send my sincerest apologies to the crowd for having to listen to me like this. But I'm very happy to be here. And thank you so much for having me. Of course. So when we were talking about doing this podcast, you mentioned the idea of reintroducing yourself to yourself, which I really loved. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so interesting. So I want to hear like, where did that come from? What do you think? What does that mean to you? Yeah. So I feel like within the past few years, um, since our freshman year of college, I've gone through a lot of different things. I feel like I've lived 101 different lives. And because of that, I've now had this opportunity to reevaluate things that are important to me, what what actually makes me happy versus what is people pleasing and trying to figure out who I am as my most authentic self that is not preoccupied with what other people think of me or yeah. what I think I should be doing <laughs> and just getting to know like who I am as this person who just exists has been a really beautiful journey. Yeah, that's, that's, I love that. That's so interesting, especially now. Like, I think there's definitely some things that I'm still fighting with. Like people pleasing is one that I am still getting over. That is really, really hard. Cause I feel like I have such bad anxiety with like people mm-hmm. being mad at me, yes. which is, I'm yeah. trying to re like retrain my brain to be like being mad at somebody is okay. Then being mad at you. It's okay. It can be healthy. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm the same way. I really had to do a lot of soul searching in terms of, I call it like starving my ego. I've tried really hard within the past, like since COVID to just Mm. totally starve my ego. Like Mm. I like digging deeper in terms of 
what my thoughts are about myself, other people, activities, whatever it is. Like I've been trying really hard to sort of separate what I'm, I think I'm supposed to think versus how I actually feel and like really re-delivering, um, starving my ego and replacing that with just kindness and yeah. like taking extra steps to be extra kind has been yeah. um, a real, a real practice for me to like go back to that concept of like, if someone's mad at me, they can be mad at me. Or if someone doesn't like me, they don't have to like me. It's okay. And I'm just going to continue to be kind and like not let my ego take over or whatever that insecurity is. That's, you know, driving me nuts at yeah. that moment. But that's so hard. That's so hard. Like, I find myself showing up to a room and trying to be the best version of myself that everybody needs. Yeah. And that's, first of all, nobody's asking me to do that. Second yeah. of all, that's stupid for me to do that. Like, it's not going to help anybody. And it just gives me anxiety. It's like, I always want to give everybody like, what is it that they need? Right. And, right. and then also creates a situation where I feel like almost fake because I'm like, is this even me? Is this right. like... Yeah, yeah. Nope. That's the exact conversation I've been having with myself. And like, I've also, I know we wanted to talk about this a little bit was um, realizing certain behaviors that I had that never served my me never served my purpose or myself, but constantly served others. Um, mm. Perhaps it was a defense mechanism or something. And, and per your point about like being in a room full of people and trying to be like this goddess of interesting and beautiful and active and what, I don't know, whatever it is that you want to throw in there. Like I've, I've, I've come to realize that so much of trying to be that person was a form of avoiding my anxiety because mm. I'm like, Oh, if I can show up as this thing, then like, I don't have to be anxious about not being enough or not being pretty enough or not being yeah. good enough or whatever it is. <laughs> like you want to throw into that sentence. And so yeah. I think like overcoming my, anxiety avoidance in that aspect has been also very helpful with with sort of closing the door on my ego and, and mm -hmm. asking it to go away <laughs> yeah 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 exactly and it's also a weird time because you know okay you're in high school and at least I know for us high school was really rough and then there's like all of these you're going through puberty emotions weird shit like you're dealing with all of it and then you get to college and you're still like very much in a bubble And you're like starting to process high school, but not really because you're still kind of like still with those same behaviors. Yeah. And then you get out and like these past few years, and I know we've talked about it, has just been really realizing like all of the, I think, I think I knew a lot of them, but it's just like being really aware of my coping mechanisms of like yes. how I act with people. And now that I'm finding myself for the first time in new situations, like whether it's a new job or networking or an audition or anything it's like seeing how I act and being like oh my god <laughs> what am I doing you know so it's like there's a part of it that is like very beautiful but that I'm like look at you go like you're doing it and then there's so much of it that I'm like why am I like this right yeah yeah I know that question of why am I like this I think has been has been my my journey of like figuring out who I am <laughs> which is like so literal why am I like this I think that's been my theme for the past few years is like revisiting trauma from high school or just revisiting trauma that I experienced in college and trying to understand even just my childhood in general yeah. and understanding like why am I the way that I am and realizing that like some of those traits about myself are not healthy and are not okay and unpacking them coming to terms with them and understanding that there are things that I've been through that have now 
impacted who I am, but have allowed me to peel back layers that I didn't even know were there. Like they were just coping mechanisms, you know what I mean? And like being able to tear those layers back and be like, oh my God, like that's a learned behavior I put upon myself. Mm-hmm. And I, it hurt, it's been hurting me for the past few years. You know, it's, this has been something that's been hurting me since I was a teenager. Yeah. And it's, that's what I like re coming to terms with my adulthood in that sense has been really, really fascinating. Cause I feel like I am, I am my own textbook of myself. And as I like read in between lines and in between in between pages and like oh wow I I'm kind of really fucked up <laughs> and learning yeah and you're just like oh that. oh oh that's great didn't even know this had to be added to the to the right no precisely precisely <laughs> yeah and I just want to say also that I feel like and I've thought a lot about this because I have these conversations a lot with my friends Mm -hmm. and I'm like we are so lucky that we are having these conversations now because I see a lot of the adults in my life or just like in my friends lives or the people around me and I'm like they're acting like children who have never gone through the period of like self-discovery and realizing what trauma they have and I'm just like okay, this is rough to like look at yourself in the mirror and be like, what the fuck? But mm-hmm. I'm not going to end up like that because there's right. so many adults that are so immature. Uh, girl, girl, my own mother is one of them. <laughs> like, I feel like everyone in my family, you know, it's really weird. Like I, my mom is turning 65 this year. So my mom is part of the baby boomer generation. My mother had me when she was 40 years old. And, um, you know, growing up, I was so easily able to identify the difference between how my mother was parenting me versus how some other, you know, individuals in our grade who had younger parents were being parented. And like, Mm -hmm. I've even come to realize that my mother has trauma that she's not even aware about. Like she just has experiences that she doesn't even know has shaped her in a certain way to behave, use language in a certain way. She just does it. And like, as someone who's had to internalize that like quite literally over the course of my whole life like to your point it it really is so wild to interact with people and know that they have things about them that they're just not even conscious of and that level like emotional intelligence is something I've really been working on with me my friendships my relationship with my partner Mm -hmm. trying to really talk about the fact that you can analyze your emotions and figure them out and talking about that with other people is really, really important. And I don't think it happens enough. Like it's okay to talk about really difficult, challenging, challenging things and sure it'll hurt and maybe make you, you know, a little anxious and sad for yourself, sad for others. But doing that type of reflecting is just so good for your soul and and like whatever the energy that is inside of you that's on that spiritual end of a spectrum, it is so critical to connect back to that and understand that. And yeah. Yeah. And And like you said, those tough conversations, I am such a conflict avoider or I'm I'm trying to be better at it, but I really, I feel like in the past, especially I was pretty passive aggressive because I just couldn't deal with conflict. So I just end up being passive aggressive and it would create so many more problems. And then the, the times that now like I've sat down with my friends or my partner or even like my mother and mm-hmm. we've like talked and just talked about the issue at the mm-hmm. end of it, it's like, this is so much better. This is yeah. so easy. Yeah. And I'm like trying to retrain my brain to be like, 
having those tough conversations equals good does not equal like abandonment or does not equal like you being rejected. Like it's actually so much better than just holding it in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what there's not enough credit. Like it, it is overwhelming to sit and have those conversations, especially with like family members. I don't know. I even still struggle with having like difficult conversations with my mom, but I think it's because she doesn't have that layer of like emotional intelligence to understand what it is that you know, why I'm I'm sort of approaching something in the way that I am or asking her questions the way that I am. But um, I, yeah, I mean, retraining your brain to be like, hey, this is something that I not only have to do right now in this moment, but I'm going to have to do this time and time again across all of my relationships. If And like, even if there's not a problem, if it's just like understanding sort of like we were saying before, a certain personality trait that someone has, or it's just this recurring behavior where you're like, Hey, like, what, what is that? Can we talk about that? Like Mm -hmm. what, you know, why, why do we keep coming to, to whatever this thing is and how do we, how do we address that and unpack that? It's Mm -hmm. important. Oh yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So there's a part of it that is definitely hard to realize all of that and realize like, wow, there's so much work I need to do, but I'm so grateful that we are doing it because I don't want to end up 50 years old and unable to like know how to process my emotions and communicate because that I just can't specifically, I know this is just me generalizing, but like specifically grown immature men, I'm like, I have, I can't, I don't even I don't even like, why do I, why am I more aware of your trauma and like what you need to do than you are? Oh, 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 honey. honey. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there so many times and it's exhausting. And like men within themselves, it's just that could be a podcast episode. I'm I'm nearly certain, but hey, and there's great men and like there's, you know, amazing, (laughs) but there are specific some that I'm like, okay. Yeah. You're not alone. Trust me, yeah. you are not alone. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm going to propose a question to you, I guess, if that's okay. okay. But tell yeah. me more about your journey of reintroducing yourself to yourself. I, I recently followed you on TikTok and I, I love your content. Yeah. <laughs> I really love your most recent, not recent, I guess it's more recent um, video about redefining success. So I want to hear, I'd love for you to talk to me more about um, how it is that you're also reintroducing yourself to yourself and revisiting definitions of things and and philosophies. Talk to me. Oh God, there's, I'm definitely still figuring it out. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, as I said, I'm like finding myself for the first time in a lot of new situations and and watching how I act and how I react to them, I'm trying to be really patient and kind to myself and be like, okay, there's a reason, like maybe you were a little bit awkward. Why is that? You didn't feel confident. Why is that? Instead of just being like, you, you fool, why do you act that way? So trying to like change the inner monologue of how I talk to myself, it's hard, but trying to do that. And also I was talking recently, I, I was talking to my mom and I said, like, for me, high school and a lot of college, like it's been, it's had to deal with a lot of mental health issues. And that mm-hmm. has just been the priority. Yes. Like, I feel like I've, it's just been like survive. Yeah. Like, it's just been like, okay, let's just stay afloat and figure yeah. out. Mm-hmm. And now for the first time, I feel like I'm not just like on a, 
Like I, I'm not just like trying to stay above water. I'm like actually stable on a boat, although that boat sometimes shifts, <laughs> but I, but I feel like I'm on more solid ground. So yeah. it's interesting. Cause I feel like now I'm able to focus on like my life. Like I have always been yeah, ambitious, yeah, yeah. but I, now I'm like, okay, how are we going to accomplish this? And mental health is still such a big part of it, but it's no longer like what controls how I act. If that I makes sense. That. Yes. Oh my God. No, I, so I feel the same exact way. Um, I guess like sort of reflecting on high school, like I didn't realize at the time when we were in high school that I was in such a bad mental state, but I really was. And like, I, I wish I could go back to that version of myself and be like, you need to see a psychologist or like, you need to ask one of your teachers for help Mm -hmm. because I was dealing with a lot of adult things as a high schooler and just thinking that that was normal and that that was everybody else's experience. And and it wasn't. And like, I went off to college and sort of the same thing happened. I went to George Washington University my freshman year and at first really loved it. And then all of a sudden, like I was struggling to make friends. I couldn't connect with anybody. I was spending a lot of time alone And my mental health, which was already in a fragile state, just continued to break down. Um, And I'm going to be a little vulnerable, but my freshman year of college, I developed an eating disorder Mm -hmm. and I had to leave school on medical leave to go through treatment because I was like (laughs) this close to my life being not so nice. And um, I... For I had to take nearly a whole year off from school to go through recovery. And it was, at, I was 19 when I started my recovery. And it was the first time in my life ever that, like, I received help of some kind for my mental health and had doctors be like, you need to see other professionals or like you will die or like wow. you will just continue to hurt yourself and you cannot do this anymore. And it was the first time where, someone besides myself was being accountable for something mm-hmm. and that was it was truly the first time like that I got to speak with a team of professionals to be like there's something desperately wrong and we're gonna figure it out with you so like you do what you have to do to get through this and we're gonna help you and like we're gonna wow. help you go through that journey and I went through therapy for like really intense cognitive behavioral therapy for six months and literally had to unlearn (laughs) so many things about who I thought I was, what I thought I wanted, why I thought I had behaviors that were a certain way. And like pretty much came to the realization that sort of to your point, I had spent my whole life just like floating above this like very deep pool of water but didn't even know that. And like, there I was drowning and was like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm okay. And literally it took doctors pulling me out of the water and being like, uh, girl, like, absolutely not. (laughs) And so I'm now officially like, I've been at a point in my life within the past couple of years where to your point, I've been able to sort of understand who I am when I'm not crippled by my anxiety, when I'm not, you know, uh, feeling like I'm going to pass out because I haven't eaten in days or I've gone running for miles for so long and like understanding who I am when I don't have like those emotional chains just like like burrowing into my skin has been the most beautiful thing like I've literally been able to get to know myself 
in in such a metaphysical way that is almost just like so beautiful to talk about because I feel so disconnected from the person who I was in high school mm-hmm. and, I, and in my first few years of college and like knowing that I am not that person anymore or I'm a healed version of that self or a version that's like always going to be going through this healing journey is just so wonderful. Yeah. And being able to have a better control over um, you know, my mental health and certain behaviors and being able to sort of understand what it is that I'm feeling, why I'm feeling that way and how to cope with it in a way that is not like self-harm. Like my eating disorder to me was always a form of self-harm. Like I just hated myself so much that I was like, um, you know, you might have a paper to write later and you might have X, Y, and Z to do later, but like, you're going to go run for five miles. And I like, you know, it that was just so, I would just make myself feel even more miserable to, wow. to just like express how angry I was at my own self for whatever reason that it was. And like not doing that anymore is such an amazing feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh my God. That's so beautiful. Well, I just want to say congratulations for, you, you know, yeah. seeking the help and yeah. getting to where you are. That is not fucking easy. That is yeah. like such an uphill battle that you have to show up for yourself every day. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it is really exhausting because going through, first of all, going through something like that and also choosing to, you have to choose to show up for yourself. And you have to choose to be really aware of all your thoughts. And that can be so exhausting. Like being constantly hit with just like, oh, these are your thought patterns. This is how this affected you. This is how you act. And this is why. Like it is so, it's exhausting. You just sometimes Mm -hmm. want to turn it off. It still sometimes happened to me. I have so much internal chatter that I'm like, put on Mm -hmm. the shittiest reality TV so I don't even have to think about, you know? So you, it is a lot of work. Tons. Tons. Yeah. I've never been, it's so funny. I always say I've never been as stressed out or overwhelmed or feel like anything has been as challenging as recovering from my eating disorder. I think that has been, that has put like, that was, like you said, I mean, you have to show up every minute of every day for yourself and for the other professionals that you're working with. And like, you also have to show up for the future version of yourself. And I think that's something that like, isn't always talked about in eating disorder recovery is you are so consumed by that voice in your head mm-hmm. that you have to figure out how to drown that out and turn that off and like think about the version of yourself who is not going to be that person anymore and like wow. show up for that version of yourself because like I mean there would be days where you know I'd be feeling really okay I wasn't feeling as depressed or as anxious and um, you know, but I'd still be like, you know, but I kind of feel like I have to go run seven miles today. Mm-hmm. And I would do that. And then I'd be like, oh, well, you know, I'm not really hungry. And then it'd be like five o'clock and I still hadn't had eaten anything all day long. And I was like, why am I doing this? This is literally not helpful. It literally yeah. is not helpful to anybody. Like I need to yeah. stop doing that. And so it's like, really, it's, it, it really is so interesting to be able to show up for yourself, even when you are not the healthiest and best version of yourself. That was so, that was very, very challenging for me. But I think because I somehow managed to do that, um, other things I find to be not as difficult, to be not as challenging. And I, and I don't mean that in like a way of bragging by any means, because I've, I've quit a few other things that I've tried and I was like, (laughs) nope. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's, uh, it is, it's very difficult to show up for yourself like that. 
And I love what you just said. It's like showing up for yourself, even when you're not the healthiest self, even when like you, where you are is not where you want to be, where you don't feel proud, where you don't feel that self-love. That is so hard. You know, it's so much quote unquote easier when you're feeling much better, when you're, I don't know, things are more aligned, when you don't feel super insecure being like, yeah, I can do this and like be patient with yourself. But when there is so much hatred and there's so much sadness, actually trying to rationalize you deserve this is really hard. And that's like, I feel like still now I have to tell myself, you deserve this. You deserve to be here. You know, there's a part of that with the imposter syndrome, I guess. But it's the, you deserve to be here. You, your voice deserves to be heard. You're not being too much. You're not being too loud. You're not talking too much. You're not demanding too much. It's like all these things of having to, my version of who I am now, but also my version of who I was when I was 12 or when I was 15 or when I was like 19 and being like, you deserve to be here. We deserve to be here. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's like after... I graduated from college. I studied history, classical studies, and I minored in Latin. I immediately went to graduate program for museum studies. I wanted to go down the curatorial route and was doing a lot of research in museum architecture and how we can design, build, and situate spaces to serve the public, serve the intent of a gallery, to serve the intent of an audience. And I found myself in my graduate program suddenly feeling the way that I did during, you know, as I was sort of entering the mentality that led to my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how, how am I back here? Like, I thought mm. I got past this. I didn't think I could ever feel this terrible about myself, my environment ever again. And yet there I was. And like, I suddenly, I started to feel really dissociated from, from my studies. And I started to feel really dissociated from my own self. And I have this really vivid memory of like, I had a job on campus and I was there like a couple times a week. Um, and I, I like had to leave my house by seven every morning to get there by eight. And it was like 630 in the morning. And I just like, could not get out of bed. Like, I was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. Like, this isn't good for me. This isn't healthy for me. Like, it's not serving my purpose. And I think I stayed in bed for another hour before I even showered. Like, I got, I ended up getting to campus like two hours late. And my supervisor was like, Why are you late? Like, I don't understand. And I tried expressing to her, like, I am so miserable and I'm aware that I'm miserable and this is not good for me. And she sort of just like had no sympathy for me and was like, Well, you know, if this is really affecting your mental health, then like maybe you should go talk to somebody or blah, blah, blah. Like not offering any real support. She's kind of like deflecting. And anyways, I bring this up because like you're saying, you have to be able to show up for the past versions of yourself who like you carry with you no matter what. And Mm -hmm. like when I was going through my graduate program, all I felt was like, that 19-year-old version of myself at GW in DC that was just so distraught all of the time. Like I sort of could hear her like whispering in my ear, like, you need to, you need to leave this program and try again another time. Like this isn't it. And like I did decide to leave. I spoke to some of my professors and I told them what I was experiencing and how I was feeling. And the program wasn't like great anyways to begin with. And so I made the decision to leave. And ever since I made that decision, my life has made a total I've pivoted in a very different direction 
But I really do think that making that decision that was very difficult to to leave and sort of ultimately change my life plan <laughs> was really good for me. And I and I, I think I was I was able to make that decision to not continue to crumble because of what I had experienced as a as a freshman in college. And so I always say that my eating disorder was like the best worst thing that ever happened to me because it's now equipped me with this like this handbook of when you know something in your gut is not right and it's not good for you, you can do something else and not feel guilty about it. And you're not disappointing anybody and you're not disappointing yourself. Like you are showing up for the version of yourself that's going to be so happy that you intervened with your own brain and was like, this isn't it. Like go, go do be and become elsewhere. And like this environment's not serving your purpose and that's okay. It's okay to acknowledge that like you don't like what you're doing or that's you so dream. Yeah. yeah. Well, cause it reminds, there's two things that I was thinking like first reminder that like healing is not linear that, mm-hmm. you know, yes. you can go through <laughs> hell and back. And then all of a sudden three years later, find yourself in that familiar feeling again. And what you were saying, like, why am I back here? I didn't realize like, it's like, there's, you can do all the work and get to an amazing place, but like, it never really stops. So again, you have to show up yourself for yourself, even when you're okay, because life will happen and it can trigger you for a lot of reasons. So it's like not feeling like a failure or feeling like what the fuck, it was all for nothing. If you feel like you find yourself there again. Right. Right. And then also, like you were saying um, later, like, I think it's so amazing. And so like, kudos to you that you what you just said, you were able to be like, I, I need to leave, you know, Mm -hmm. you had a set path, you wanted to study this, you studied a program that like, arguably, there could be a financial already investment in it, that there could be time investment. And you were like, no. And I think that is so beautiful and something we all need to learn. I'm definitely still learning because I tend to have that little voice of like, you're a failure, disappointment win. And I'd be like, I can't let this go. I can't give this up, you know? And that's, that can be part ego, but that can be also part of like, no, I'm not going to prioritize my mental health. And that is, I personally, I don't think that's the right route at all. I think it is like, I'm not going to, I'm not willing to put myself back into rock bottom for what, for this. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And that, I think, I always say that, like, I I think that's my superpower now is I can sort of be like, oh, this is not serving my purpose. I don't feel good. Absolutely not. And I can walk away. No, like I said before, no guilt, no shame, no nothing. And I, I really cherish my ability to, to pivot and just move on to the next thing. And wow. I need to learn from that. I cannot do that. Well, I mean, it took a lot of bullshit for me to get to that point and a lot of therapy. (laughs) So shout out to my therapist. I think that's what I need. I think the therapy part and like all specifically my friend Rocio right now is going to hear them be like, bitch, go to therapy. I, I just, but anyway, keep going. No, just therapy. Like, I really do feel like I, like when I was going to therapy, I was going anywhere from two to three times a week for like hours at a time. It was very intense and it was a lot. And I hated going at the time Um, because the way that cognitive behavior, cognitive behavioral therapy works is you, you have to unpack why you feel a certain way about something when you do it or when you experience it. Mm -hmm. And so like when I was going through my cognitive behavioral therapy, I had to keep 
a food log of everything I ate, the time I ate it at, how much of it I ate, and how it made me feel Ooh. after. And it was just a lot. Like I was like, I, I mean, especially I'm like going through my eating disorder recovery. I'm eating like 6,000 calories of food a day just to like get by. Like you have to eat so much more than usual to gain weight when you're going through eating disorder recovery. And like, it was, it was just a very frustrating experience going to therapy for me. But in hindsight, like it worked. It did what it yeah. had to do to a certain mm-hmm. extent. You know, it gave me the tools that I needed in order to understand that I can acknowledge that I am in, in a lot of ways a fragile person and yeah. it takes the right environment for me to not be fragile or to feel a bit more confident or to yeah. feel a bit more stable. And if I'm not in that right environment, I do crumble. And that is something that I now know about myself. And I know you, we were talking about how I was laid off from my job in the city. And that's exactly what happened. I was in an environment that I was not clicking with. And I tried to express that. And they got rid of me. Like they said, wow. this is a new problem. And we cannot help you. We have no interest in helping you. And they let me go. And I, in a lot of ways, they did me a favor because I was so miserable there. And like, I, I have a lot of qualms with like corporate America in general, but where I was, it really was like uh, so many amazing people. I mean, I worked with so many amazing people, but like, there was just this inherent, there's just an inherent disconnect with every like full-time corporate job where this concept of like, where do you put people and your profit, you know, where on your ethical, like, uh, wait, where, mm-hmm. where do the, where does that sit? And like, I was at a place where they, it just seemed like they just didn't care about people. Wow. And it's really too bad. It's too bad, but you know, I'm not there anymore. And, um, this is another thing where I've now had to pivot. <laughs> yeah. And now you're, again, you're going from, you went from a corporate job that like, they fired you and it's just like, what the fuck to now mm-hmm. you're waitressing. You said before yes, I, we started. I, yeah. I'm waitressing. I am pursuing photography, like just about full time now. I'm really fortunate. I'm about making the same amount of money that I was at my corporate job as I am right now, like freelancing and waitressing. Amazing. Yes. And I'm, it is the most beautiful thing to go to my cute little waitressing job. It's in Piermont, New York it's on the Hudson river. I'm in the most picturesque, gorgeous little New York community and everybody's really nice. And I bring bread to my tables and I take their little order and I write it down and I plug it into a computer and then I tell them to have a great night and I get to go home and feel nothing after besides just tiredness from being on my feet for four hours. And that is beautiful. It is beautiful. Like I can't even begin to explain to you how amazing it is to go home and not get emails at 11 p.m from whoever saying whatever it is because they're still working and they can't disconnect or something shit's hitting the fan. And now I'm going to have to go into the office early to take care of it because this is now my problem. And I love Mm -hmm. being able to, to just go home at the end of every night and actually look forward to going back to my cute little waitressing job. Like, Like coming from me, I wanted to go for a PhD. Like I was like, I'm going to be in academia and I'm going to be a professor and I'm going to change the world. And I still want to do that. But like, I get to go to my little waitressing job now. And it's not anything that I would have ever pictured for myself in high school or better yet, my freshman year of college or even just a few months ago. But here I am and I love it. And that is amazing Uh, for me. I love it. 
that like redefining <laughs> success redefining your success yeah we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back I want to go back to when we were talking about reintroducing ourselves to ourselves. Because first of all, you just said like you didn't imagine yourself becoming a waitress. You had this idea of academia and all these things. And now your priorities are changing. And in a way you have to, again, reintroduce yourself to yourself with your new priorities. Because I think a lot of the times we get hung up on our, what our plan was. Right. We are changing. So it's having to be like, okay, what is this new version of me that wants different things or that is happy in something that I didn't realize? And then also how much of how many labels we put on ourselves and how we will decide things just like we will decide how we are. Like, for example, I don't I was talking to a friend the other day and I was like, I don't know at what point I decided that I was just not a funny person. I don't know. There was just like, I came to a point where I just started being like, nah, I'm just actually not funny. Like I'm only funny in like certain contexts with my friends, like very specific jokes. And I'm just like, why, where did that come from? Or like, also, I don't know when I decided that I'm a very awkward person when I'm actually, when I stop and think about it, I'm a very social extrovert person. Like I need my time alone, but I thrive off talking to people. This is one of the reasons I started this podcast. Love, love, love talking and listening to people. But at some point I had a few interactions that I think everybody had where I was just like awkward and didn't know what to say. And maybe I was nervous and I've taken those interactions and I've just been like Zamiris, an awkward person. Yeah. And I'm just like, what, why? And it's crazy coming to a point where you all of a sudden dissociate quote unquote in a good way. And you're just like, that is just me choosing to Mm -hmm. feel like I am that way. I don't have to be this way. Right. No, I feel the same way. Like I'm very much an introvert, but, and I always convinced myself that I wasn't good at talking to people that I didn't like talking to people. And I think in some ways it can be still true, but it's really not. Like, I think likewise, I've come to realize I love having very deep and intimate and personal conversations with people. I tap out after like, if I'm in a group of more than like three people, I'm like, okay, like this isn't going to be as like deep. But I really do love just talking to people and asking them about their lives. Like my new question, when I meet somebody new, like even at this restaurant that I work at, like whenever I meet someone new on the team, I'm like, hi, I'm Christina. Like, who are you? What is your life story? Tell me all about yourself. Yes, I love love that. People are like, okay, like, let's talk. Like, I love this. And so I think being able to, I think more people our age are more open about being like, oh, I'm so-and-so, I'm this age, and I did this, but dropped out of school, or I did this, and then went to med school, and what, well, you know, whatever. And I'm more, so much more willing to just be so personal immediately. Mm-hmm. And I, that is, I think that type of conversation just wasn't so normal when we were in high school, or our first few years of college. And so now that more people, I think, again, going back to emotional intelligence, and people can sort of understand when someone's actually interested and really wants to get to know who you are. Like those are the types of conversations I thrive in. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I didn't know that up until recently, like literally within the past, like six months, I've been like, wait, I like people and talking to people. Like I didn't know that. And I thought I didn't like that, but it ends up that I really do like that. And that's really fun. Yes. Like there's room for both. There's room for you to have days where you're like, fuck people. I don't want to talk to anybody. And then there's room for you to like the next day be like, tell me your life story. Like that's Um, that's the thing. And also 
it's crazy how, again, this narrative of like, I'm awkward has led to then in certain situations, I'll go in with just being like, don't be a freaking weirdo, or I'm not <laughs> going to go because I'm going to like make a fool of myself or like, oh, but I'm so bad at networking because I'm so awkward. Like all of these, again, back to the self-talk and narrative that I've told mm-hmm. people that I'm trying to be like, who said that? When? Why? Right. Yeah. Like, and most of the times it's yourself. It's yourself saying it to yourself. And like, you have to, like, in some ways, my internal monologue can be really mean to me, or it can be supportive. And so yes. at times <laughs> being mean to me, I'm like, okay, like, all right, my energy is probably not going to be 100% today. My internal monologue is not as kind and charming right now mm-hmm. as I would like for it to be. But um, yeah, I, I can I, literally go, I can go from like being like, you are the best you are like such a badass Mira you are boss ass mm-hmm. bitch look at you you're a beautiful like take over the world who is gonna yeah. say no to you and then I could go to be like you are a, a piece of poop on the ground that is oh, yeah. deserves to be stepped on like I'm like oh, where how does the yeah. ego go from that to like that <laughs> I know I know and I experience the same thing I have days and I know that you've talked about this in this podcast and that's why I love it so much is how there are days where my internal monologue is you are doing enough. You're doing great. You're doing the best you can and good for you. Like good for you. And then there are other days where my internal monologue is like, what are you doing? Why do you not have it figured out? Like you had more shit figured out in high school than you do right now at 24. And I'm like, damn it. Like, why am I, why am I just like totally self-loathing? And mm-hmm. like I cause misery to my own self. And I, and I think when my internal monologue is so cruel, I'm like, oh, this is that self-harm thing coming back in a way that like, I need to just, ignore like I can't entertain my own self sometimes I'm like I have to put that boundary up where I'm like nope like no no consciousness today we're going we're just going everything is very matter of fact it's gonna come when it comes and like I really like this might be a little psychotic but like I have days where I'm like my brain will be turned off today oh yeah and I I just that switch of like I'm gonna not listen to myself I'm gonna run my errands and just be quiet and do what I need to do go to work and be quiet like it's it is what it is but yeah yeah yeah. I have many moments where I'm just like I am tired of myself enough yes (laughs) you are you are put on time out like it is enough yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah and again it also goes back to like I just love I'm this is what I've been trying to think about a lot lately of like I am so many things. I am like, you know, I'm trying not to be so much like, I hate this. I love this. Like, and not, and feel guilty for liking something that I was like, but that's not who I am. And I'm like, but maybe there is not one specific of who you are. Maybe I have times where I do love a reality TV show. And then there's times where I want the deepest, more, most philosophical movie ever. Like maybe I'm both and that's okay. And I can be all of it. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I, uh, before we were recording, um, I have this one history professor who I'm very friendly with. And I, I emailed her a couple weeks ago and was like, I am feeling really terrible about myself and my life. And can I please come to campus and, and talk to you? And she was like, oh my God, yes, I'd love to see you. So, I mean, we talked for hours and she was like, you don't have to be so mad at yourself for being another person than who you were at a point in time. And she, we were talking about how like, I feel like now that I've experienced corporate America, I don't want to be in corporate America. And I don't want to be 
um, a boss girl in terms of working for somebody else, but I think I want to be a boss girl in terms of working for my own self. And like, there's no, there's no course for that in school. You don't learn that in college and you just learn that along your life journey. And she was like, now that you've had this realization of like this new person, who you are, what you're doing, where you want to go. She was like, you've now escaped this certain, this certain level of like participating in America that like you now have to figure out for yourself. She was like, this is a realization not everybody has. And there's no, there's no guidebook on like how to become a successful CEO or like how to perfectly run a photography business or how to perfectly network or how to perfectly intertwine photography and history or whatever it is. She was like, you're going to figure that out along the way. And she was like, and you can, the, the best thing that you can do is just show up for yourself and not pretend to, to be this version that's convenient for everybody else. And like hearing that, yes. And like hearing that from someone with a PhD and, you know, someone who I love and deeply admire, I was like, I think that was like the maternal validation I was looking for from like my own mom. And I I got it from Dr. Esperanza Garcia. She was like, you're doing okay. It's fine. Like, um, and yeah, I mean, like, I feel like sort of what you were saying, it's, I, I've come to realize that my relationship with photography is still very much a reflection of me as a historian and as someone who loves the historical process, it's to document. And that is what I love to do. I love to talk to people and hear about their experience because it's not mine. And when I can share that with people, that helps everybody else. And so I really try to do that with my photography in so many ways is share a story. It is storytelling and understanding that that is actually not so different from the PhD path that I wanted all along. And it's very comforting because I am a multifaceted person and I don't want school to be my whole life. And I don't want to be miserable in a grad program and suffer through it and be like, oh, but look, I did it. Like, I just want to be able to be this authentic version of myself who's not depressed and not anxious, but still doing what she loves and feeling fulfilled. And it's going to look different from what I thought I wanted when I was 16 and 18 and what I thought I wanted six months ago. Like, it's constantly going to evolve and it's going to evolve according to what I'm experiencing at a given moment, what's happening in my life, in the world, what's happening in the world. And being able to just release that fixation of like feeling like I have to be in control all of the time of what I'm doing is great because I'm like it's just going to evolve and build the way that is good for the universe and whatever the energy is that's around me and happening and will happen and yeah I, I think just like checking back in and being like it's okay that things are different <laughs> it's okay like I, I have to have that self-talk with myself all the time like it's okay it's not bad. You're not making anybody upset. And if anything, you just make yourself upset for, for trying to, to constantly justify why things are different. They just are. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's okay. Yes. This is, yeah. While I was like listening to you, I was like, this is what I needed. I'm like, yes. she's so right. Yes. And like, you have to, I find, you know, I was so angry at myself for like, not finishing my master's program I was like I'm a I and I th- this is such an American thing too I'm a quitter like mm. I gave up and I was like no I didn't like I was so I was miserable I was so miserable I would come home and I would cry I never cry I would sit in my bathtub for three hours 
And I was just like, I can't believe I have to go back and do this tomorrow. Or I'd have another 10 page paper that I had to write within a weekend. And I was like, I hate this. I actually just hate this. And I don't want to do it. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> like, yes. it's okay. It's okay that I don't want to do that. Like, it's okay. And there's other things that I can do. And my the value of myself is not productivity or how many degrees I have or what it is that I think is the best version of myself because I'm a good writer, because I have this like intellectual label or whatever it is. But again, that's, these are labels I've picked up because of other people. Like these are, these are like ideas I have in my head because of what people have communicated to me that they see in a, as a strength in myself. And that's great. But what do I see as a strength for me? You know? oh, stop. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And, that's so true. And, and prioritizing what I see as a strength for me and what fulfills my purpose and my beauty or whatever it is that I want to be fulfilled. I have to do what works for me. And it doesn't matter if that sort of infringes on other people's vision of me. Like I am not a fantasy. I'm I'm a person and I have feelings and I have good days and bad days. And like, I need to like, tell my own self that I'm not a fantasy and I'm not my own fantasy either. You know, yeah. like, like, why am I fantasizing about myself? Like I, there's only, you know, like I need to, it's one thing to have goals and like work towards those goals. But I, I, you know, there's no, there's no book about when you're working towards your goals and they change, like then what, you know what I mean? And I, I think trying to come back to, again, this idea of like reintroducing myself to myself, like, who is the best and strongest version of myself that I know I develop myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, that has been the journey, <laughs> the ultimate journey. Wow. I mean, what can I say after that? I'm like, my face the whole time is just like, yes, yes. <laughs> say it louder for the people in the back. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah. That's especially true. I loved what you said about like, you know, people have really good intentions, but the idea of like, oh, you're really good at this. You should do this. Oh, you're really good mm-hmm. at this. You should do this. And realizing yeah. like, this is a projection of what other people see me see as strengths. I, what are, what do I feel that are my strengths? And I love that because I don't think I've thought about it that way. And I'm like, you're so right. Yeah. That is like, yeah, that is so yeah. cool. And sometimes yeah. there's like that pressure of like, but I've always been good at this or they've told mm-hmm. me I'm good. Maybe I should go down that route and it's like but is that what you want like maybe there's right. other things right like I'm a, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason and sometimes I think about my relationship with photography and sometimes I feel like that's really the thing I was meant to do all along and I just ignored it because I was like I want to be a historian and I want mm-hmm. I want to be a college professor and I want to write books and publish papers and speak at events and you know there was this fantasy of myself that I thought was going to be the most sophisticated and respected version of myself and in in trying to achieve that I really lost the fact that I am just like a natural photographer and that is you know also me participating in history like I was saying before and I think I really did a disservice by not acknowledging that like I just pushed it off to the side I was like yeah like I do photography stuff and things but like I have to go home early from wherever I was because I have a paper I need to hand in and it has to be perfect or I need to make sure that my Chicago footnotes are correct or whatever it was Mm -hmm. and it's almost like sometimes I look back and I and I get and I try not to do this but I get so angry at myself and I'm like you 
not that I, not the could have, should have, would have thing. I try to avoid that. But it's mostly just being like, again, like everything happens for a reason. It's like, there's a reason why my passion for photography, like followed me during the whole time I was doing my history thing, because that was going to be the thing that was the next path. And I just never knew it. Mm. You know, like I never knew it at the time. I didn't think about it at the time, but it was something that I held on to. And I, I clearly held on to it for a reason. Yeah. And being wow. able to do this now and like feel happiness and feel joy and just not, not hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's really great. It's yeah. really, really great. Wow. Well, that, I mean, this conversation has been just so beautiful and I just want to say like, I'm so happy for you and you, you know, it's been a really tough journey and there's still a lot of road to travel, but I'm just like, congratulations. Like you are that, you know, that is so big and for us to be so young and for you to realize that. And there's so many things that I'm taking away from this where I'm like, yes, you know, it just feels really validating. I'm like, you're fine. It's fine. (laughs) Thank you so much. course it's so important to talk about these things and like I don't Mm. want this episode to come across as like a here's my sob story situation but I think in telling the sob story you understand a bit more of like the realizations that came through those like you know I don't know if I'm gonna call it a unique experience because I think it's a pretty universal experience that people hate themselves or they hate their bodies or you know they they do you know, participate in forms of self-harm and they don't know that that's what that is. And like, um, understanding why it's so important to get a grasp on that and like really find out who you are when you're not, I'm going to say like tainted through, like we were saying before the, how other people perceive you or Mm -hmm. what other people perceive to be your strengths, like being able to find out who you are for you yeah is really important yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. because there's you know there's many versions of ourselves and we're going to be constantly changing and it's important to remember which can be so hard when you're in it I know when I've been yeah. like really low this is the last thing that I could really compute but it's like who you are right now is not going to be forever and like what you're feeling yes. mm-hmm. is not going to be forever. And this doesn't define you and this doesn't just have to be it, you know? Okay. So remembering that, but exactly. thank exactly. you so much for, for coming on and talking to me. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I hope, I hope everybody is able to relate to some portion or another of it. Oh yeah. I um, can, I can imagine. And you'll, you'll have to come back. I always yes. say this, but I'm like, everybody come back. There's like so yes. many more topics we could talk about. Yeah, I know. I'll take a flight to Spain. We could do it in person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs>